podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. Today's guest on the show is Matt Davies. He is Hazmat on Instagram. And if you do not follow him and know what he is doing on Foil, I highly suggest that you take a second right now and go check him out and look at his recent trip to Nazare. Matt is on a mission to foil the biggest wave in the world and to, at the same time, hold the flat water foil speed record. Uh, Two huge endeavors. I should say, and he's well on the path to doing both. I believe he currently holds the flatwater record somewhere right around 80 kilometers an hour. We talk about it on the show, and I think he's only the opportunity away from the big wave foil as well. We've got lots of exciting guests coming up over the next month and a half, two months here. Been testing foils again. Uh, I'm going to be having some designers on the show to talk about that. It's been really fun to dive back into that. And I just had Dominic Hoskins from Foil Drive on the podcast as well. So he'll be coming up as the next podcast. So stay tuned for all that. And we're just going to dive right in today. So hope everybody's out there scoring. Uh, have a great holiday, Christmas. Um, see you guys soon. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, Eric, how are you? <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for coming on the show nice. to do this. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah, awesome, man. No worries at all. You have inspired me greatly. Just watching what you're up to on foil is, is so impressive. Yeah, man. <laughs> Full sending. Incredible. Thank you. It's, oh, that's that's very good of you. <laughs> so, so start us off with uh, background on who you are. My guess is that a lot of folks who are listening to this podcast will not know who you are. And so, so yeah, sure. start us off there. Yeah. Well, my name's Matt Davies. I'm 47 from the Northern beaches in Sydney. Yeah. I started off surfing at North Narrabeen, eventually got into kite surfing and wakeboarding. And then for the last sort of six, maybe even seven years, I've got into, into toe foiling. I don't, I don't prone. I don't wing. I don't, downwind or anything i just i just tow foil i'm i'm literally three minutes from the boat ramp and you know look we try and get out there three four times a week you know when the swirls on and that's yeah that's my gig just tow foiling that's it <laughs> you and pb <laughs> yeah me, me, me and pb yeah when he's well yeah me and pb but we're, we're, we're lucky where we are you know we're probably we've got a we got a chat you know it's probably 25 Toe foilers on this chat, so it doesn't matter what what time of the day it is. You could always, you know, send a text out, and there'll be always someone keen to go for a toe with you, which is which is unreal. It's really we're really I'm really lucky where we live, and, and you know the break it in Sydney where we're at. There's probably about eight or ten options around this headland, depending on the wind and depending on the swirl. So yeah, super lucky where we where I live. Yeah, epic. Yeah. I watch a lot of your clips, and PB has been talking about you for <laughs> I can remember saying that you're doing oh, awesome that uh, uh, he's a good man pretty much no one is doing but i mean i i guess we should start with you know what it's like and what you're looking for in pushing the envelope as far as you are i mean where are you right now where are you coming to us from 
I'm in Narrabeen at the moment in Sydney, which is about, yeah, like I said, it's about three, four minutes from, from my, locals, my, my local spot there at Long Roof. Yeah, yeah. So and You just spent time traveling, right? Yeah, yeah. We went to, we just came back from Nazare. I mean, Nazare's been on my radar for, you know, for years. You know, it's, it's the pinnacle of big waves big wave surfing, foiling, everything, you know. it's a, It was this mythical wave, you know, that we used to, you know, you and I, we used to draw, draw it as a kid in the back of our textbooks, you know. That's it's, not what I was drawing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, you know, it, it was just this, like, make-believe wave. And then, you know, the last sort of 15 years, it's sort of, you know, it, it's, it's an actual wave. So, you know, probably, you know, I think everyone, you know, sort of would, would like to, you know, you know, get out there or be part of it. And, you know, I just sort of made it happen really the last of the six months, I guess. I sort of went, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm sick of thinking about this wave. I'm going to, you know, head down, bum up, train for it and, yeah, make and make it happen. And and thanks to Axis, you know, that, that was possible. Yeah, and just came back from there two weeks ago. Yeah, it was an interesting trip. It's a frustrating place, but it's a, it, was, it, was really, it was really cool. Yeah. What's frustrating yeah. about it? Excuse me. Just the conditions. I mean, the winds play such a huge role as to, you know, how the, how the swell comes in. You know, we're not talking sort of light offshore winds. You're talking honking winds, you know, like, you know, 20, 30 knots onshore or onshore, crossshore. And, and, and it makes it super difficult. And it's not your normal, it's not your normal wave by any means. It's so powerful. It's traveling so fast. It's coming from, you know, five kilometers. You know, from five kilometers deep of water, all of a sudden comes up through this canyon and, and hits a cliff face. So you got waves coming at forty five degrees, and you got that main that main break, that big A frame that comes through. It's it's so powerful, it's so fast. I mean, I, when I was on a wave, we had the Mavic Three Pro chasing me. I had a tailwind on it. They did sixty five k's an hour, and I was out running the drone just to give you an indication of, of how fast how fast we were going. But in terms of frustration, I mean. That road that that road that walks down to the lighthouse. I think I walk down there about twenty times a day just to, you know, has the wind changed, has it dropped, has it picked up, has it whatever. But you know, my goal to go over there was to, you know, catch the biggest wave ever ridden on a foil. That's that that was that's been my my dream. So look, I I don't think we got there. I, you know, I'd say we got close, but you know, you get guys like you know Matt and Tom, and you know, of course Kai, and you know, even the old school crew, you know, like um, you know, Laird Hamilton, and you know, all those guys. You know, they're foiling, they've been foiling massive waves forever. But um, now that's the goal, to try and catch the biggest wave ever foiled. And eventually, I guess, the biggest wave ever if it, if it gets handed to, you know, whether the foil gear is there at the moment, it's it's questionable. But the conditions that I had in Nazare were anything but what but good, you know. It was like, <laughs> it was like two, two foot chop. It was like a downwind down a 40, 50 foot wave. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Do you think it will be an advantage in, you know, or what you were doing there? Is it an advantage to be on a foil in any way? Um, look, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, people say, oh, I've, you know, it's, it's a, oh, you should be okay. Your foil's underwater. The chop shouldn't affect you. It does. It affects you a lot. I mean, if you, if you, if you can get close to seeing those videos, I mean, my wing would be, you know, at some stages of the wave, it'd be 200 mil. It's 200 mil, you know, what's that, six, eight inches underwater. Mm -hmm. And then then one second later, it'll be, you know, my, my foil will be two feet under the water just from, you know, navigating down the moguls. So there's so many micro adjustments to be done on the foil, just going, just to get to the bottom. 
it's 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 really technical riding. So much concentration. Once you get to the bottom of the wave, then you can sort of, you know, relax a bit, and then you can you know negotiate a turn or something like that. But I've seen the guys out there that were toe surfing. I mean, they've got ten kilo weights in their boards. You know, mind you, they're they're all pros, but you know they they seem to be getting to the bottom. You know, okay, um, compared to what what I was getting, I don't know if I was getting too fast or I don't know. They just seem to be able to negotiate those moguls, you know, a lot better than I could on a foil, put it that way. Do you think that yeah. you're going fast on faster on foil than the toe surfers were? Uh, possibly. Yeah. I mean they're they're flying. They're flying. I mean the guys that are out there, I mean, they're not they're not hacks, you know, they're you know, they're Lucas Chombo and those sort of guys. They're you know, they know what they're doing, you know. Whether we're going faster, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I was going to, I'd have to be going at least 65, 70, but I hear that some stories, you know, those guys are doing 80 or 90. So, I mean, depending on where you get on the wave as a foiler, you know, if you're, if you're coming in from over the back of the wave, which is, I've worked out, it's pretty much a, a definite no, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You're sort of coming over the back of the wave and you're going down that roller coaster and then it's endless bottom waves. It's super tricky. So you're better off getting whipped in mid-wave, wash a bit of that speed off because you don't – you need speed, obviously, to outrun, you know, the shadow that's chasing it. But, yeah, I found this sort of whipped in mid-wave and then you can sort of generate your own speed. You know, you can take a high line or, you know, or, or take the low ride to, you know, to wash that speed off. But, yeah, yeah it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. What foil are you riding in those conditions? It's got to be incredibly small, yeah? Yeah, I mean, that, that was a massive issue for me. I mean, we had – just to backtrack a bit, we had like the smallest winter period ever in Sydney history to, to the lead up to my trip to Nazareth. And, um, you know, we're talking like not a swell didn't get over three foot. And Axis had made us some, some awesome prototype wings for me to test drive for my trip to, to Nazareth. And the only thing I could end up doing was getting towed behind a boat as fast as possible just to try and, you know, get some sort of indication on how they, they, they ride. And, you know, and as you know, it, it's it's pretty much chalk and cheese getting towed behind a boat and catching an actual wave. So I had prototypes of the Spitfire, the Axis Spitfire. I normally ride the 720 just on my day to day foiling, anywhere from two foot to say 30 foot, you know, 30 foot face. I can ride a Spitfire 7, probably 20 foot, I guess, the 720. But they sent me out prototypes of the 670 and the 620. They're not to market yet, but they're, they're the prototype Spitfires. And they also made me a, a 560. And the 560 wasn't a Spitfire, and so I wasn't quite familiar with how that would work. So I ended up riding the 620. Long story short, the 620 mil tip to tip Spitfire, and I think it, I think it was good. I had a 1050 mast, the, the Carbon Pro Ultra mast, the new ones. They they're awesome, and it was accompanied with a, a 700 mil fuse. That's the Advanced Plus fuse. It's 60 mil forward from the very original ones, so you're closer to the wing. And a 420 rear with a 0.25 negative shim on the back just to stop that breaching, just to keep that nose down, and, and which which it did. It was great. I think I think that setup's good. I think the gear is it is there. My wave choice <laughs> questionable. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the videos, mate, but you know, little slim pickings out there. I had to take what I could get. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's mental. It yeah. looks insane. What what did you not anticipate uh, from the feels on foil in in surf that big? Okay, I've changed the rear wing around a lot. I always 
always find I'm nursing my turns on the my bottom turns, and your bottom turns, yeah, you know, it's a crucial turn. It's that's what makes you wave. And I've, I've found in the past that I hate having to nurse my turns. What I mean by that is just like you know, sort of gingerly turning. Rather, you know, if you get down the bottom, just honk it back up around trying to do a top turn. I always find you, you blow the tail out or you know something and grab it and just kick you sort of fuck you off the board but what i found with the 420 the little winglets on the side it seems to seem to grab a bit harder yeah so it's been a lot of trial and error to you know to to get a gear that i'm comfortable to use in big surf i mean look and saying that you know we may have back-to-back surf here for, for months that's you know 10 foot plus but you know the last year it literally hasn't got a probably once or twice over six foot so it makes it super tricky to to rock up to a place like Nazare with the prototypes and go, all right, let's, that didn't work. <laughs> you know, trying to dial gear in at the back of Nazare by yourself, you know, it's, yeah, it's pretty sketchy, <laughs> but fun. That's yeah. a, that's a common theme. What you're just saying there about tails. I've been talking to some folks who have been in Hawaii and, and towing bigger surf, riding very small front wings. And it seems yeah. like, you have to get your stability from somewhere. And so some of them are going to larger tails and, and like the like, um, like little, you know, tips on them to lock you. Yes. In. So you, so you still yeah. have that stability somewhere. It's faster than getting that from the front foil. It sounds like you, you that's like the same thing that you landed on, which is cool. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Look, I think we'll, you know, probably you know, 12 months ago or even two years ago, we we're, were steering more towards, you know, really small rears, you know, like 250, 275 millimetre tip-to-tip rears. I just find them really skittish. I've always thought, you know, bigger rears to go and just shim it, negative shim it, you know, to, to counter that the actual size, the width of it, and just gives you way more control. And if I ride the 380 mil and then the 420, you know, there's only 40 mil difference, but they're exactly the same wing, but just, you know, 40 mil in mm-hmm. size difference. You can you can really feel that difference. You know, it's, it's, you know, got to back about half the power off on your turns. Otherwise, yeah, like we said before, you'll blow the tail out and, you know, away you go. But, yeah, I think bigger is better, you know, obviously to a point, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if smaller front wings is the key either. I think... Yeah, you just need to have some surface area. Like I said, I tried a 560 wing. I mean, it could it could be good, but I only did that on a speed run. You know, I got to 79.1 k's an hour just on the flat, which is, what's that, 60 or 40-something miles an hour, whatever it was, or probably a bit more. But that was on the 560 wing. But, yeah, chalk and cheese, wave and flat water, totally different. But uh, I don't know, mate. It's it's constantly changing, isn't it? It's evolving. And uh, we're the guinea pigs out there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> the the one thing that surprised me there is you said that, and maybe I got this wrong, so I just want to clarify. You are sure. preferring the fuse that is moving your foil closer to the mast. In my experience, that would make a setup. And now, obviously, I'm not going near the speeds that you're going. So, so maybe there's an sure. inflection point there, and things start getting different. But to me, that makes a setup feel squirrelier and more more difficult to yeah, you're right. from a pitch perspective. You're you're right, and and saying that it it seems to have worked with this one only because it's a bigger. I ride bigger fuses. I got a seven hundred mil fuse. I mean, most guys, you know, they're like five eighties, five nineties, or even six twenties. But mine's seven hundred. So that's another option. I probably I, I probably would do next time is 
is give it the options without the advanced plus and just back to the original 700 so what that means it's the original 700 fuse it was it was literally 60 the mask was 60 mils set back from the front wing so like you said it'll give you more stability it'll be like you feel like you're turning a table but I, I really love that for quite a wide stance i like that feeling of you know when i want when i turn i want to turn you know i don't like that loose truck sort of feeling yep. uh, you know on the skateboard yeah yeah i hate it's, oh, it's awful but that's that's just what's my style you know everyone's different and with the advance it went 40 mil forward the mask closer to the ring then the advance plus it went 60 mil total so what's that uh, two, two inches closer to the front mask so you still get that movability and it's it's a lot more you know it's a, it's a little bit more sensitive because you're closer to that front wing but you're more in touch with the front wing and because it's a 700 fuse you, it's 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 a lot, almost like an offset you know stability plus uh, maneuverability yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense that makes sense i mean the one thing that i don't know is when you hit those speeds if you have more lever in front of the mast you know how, how much yeah. harder you're gonna have to push i mean it should be more stable but it would definitely be harder to put in and out of a turn at the same and if it got away from you with too much lift it would be harder to push down i think uh 100 yeah absolutely absolutely i mean i don't know if you saw any of those i didn't put some of those videos out when i was trying to when i, when I was setting that the speed record for the flat you could really see it on the videos you know when you're coming up in increments, you know, out of the water of 200 mil, 300 mil, 400 mil, you know, further, obviously, the higher your mast is out of the out of the water, the more of that yawing goes and just escalates so quick. You know, it goes from, you know, being manageable to, you know, I think everything changes after about 40 kilometres an hour. So, and it, it changes a lot quickly. <laughs> you know, the faster you go, because the higher you go, the more pendulum feel you get on on your foil. And, yeah, keep, keep, it, keep it lower in the water and, Happy days, in theory. <laughs> That's the guy. Yeah. We just did so much mass testing, and that was one of the things that I noticed in regards to flex is that the difference in managing flex, it's its amazing, you know, a mast in the water and a mast out of the water and how that changes yes. the feel of flex. And so at those speeds, the, the speed wobble, you know, any little flex that you have in that mast is, you know, exponentially felt, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I mean, when I was doing, like, back to the speed runs on the flat water that I was doing, it was, my theory sort of was, oh, I'll just use my normal setup, which is a 1050 mast, maybe more mast in the water column is going to make it stiffer. And, you know, after about two hours of doing speed runs to failure, you know, I had the speed camera and stuff set up there. So it was all, you know, I wanted to get sort of closer than, you know, 90, even, you know, 100 kilometres an hour getting towed. And it was, you know, like I said, as soon as you'd come yeah, you know, half of the mast out of the water, it would just like amplify that 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 yawing and that you just come a gutter. So then I downsized that 1050 mast and I tried an 820 mast and it was so much better. So I think when I go again, I'll probably you know even use like a 650 mast, you know, just in the flat water, you know, just just to get the board just out of the water and that'll that'll tame that sort of that yawing. Does does yeah. that mast taper? That's another thing that I found that. As you bring a taper in and out of the water, it, it changes okay. feels. So if that mast, <clears throat> it might be interesting for you to test if that mast does taper. See if Adrian will the make 1050 it. Ten fifty does great. Yeah, it does taper. Does taper some. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, um, that changes like the way the flex feels and where the flex is, and then also it kind of it changes the way it feels if you enter and exit turns and the mast is going in and yeah. out. And so okay. You might be, I mean, I, I assume everything you're trying to do is just 
for stability and and yeah. how feel. So, like a non tapered mask might might feel better. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to try. I was going to try. You know, when we, we first started off, we had the the nine ten mil alley alley masks. Uh, I might even you know, so I'm going to have another crack at it. One of them wasn't happy with that sort of speed, but. You know, even try my 650 alley. I've still got it. <laughs> alley mask or the, I know, right? That's what we learned on. And, or even the, the 750 aluminium mask on the 19 mil. Just try that. Let's try a few things. Yeah. So epic. The I, yeah. I watched those speed run videos that you did you know, so yeah. many times. And it's just bonkers to me to think about going that fast on foil. It's not something I'm looking to do. I, I just... You know, even on our bigger surf or toe days, I don't like the falls yeah. smashing my head. How are you handling those wipeouts? I mean, yeah, pretty. Some of them are pretty violent. Yeah, I think, uh, it, yeah, it sort of even comes back down to you know, even just your safety gear as well. You know, I'm lucky I'm um, sponsored by O'Neill, which is fantastic, and they've got a, one of their fitted jackets. It's almost like a, it's almost like a barefoot skiers jacket, super snug and fitted under the armpit. And what I found was when coming off at those speeds, if it's not fitted around like super snug under your armpit, it'll bag out, like you'll catch it and and you'll like stop instantly in the water rather than sort of skipping like a rock and washing some speed off, which is ideal. You'd, you'd come off and I, I, I broke a rib on the left-hand side, you know, the, the bottom, the, one of my bottom ribs doing some ocean speed runs. And that was from an old, old safety vest I had on that bagged out at court and then the strap that goes across the centre of your chest there pulled on my bottom rig and, and broke it but so yes just having the right the jackets you know everything's got to be snug fitted yeah to, to have a have a safe fall yeah yeah i've, I've also you know, plenty of injuries when i've come off i've broken my nose stitches in my nose and like to the stuff but yeah, you're gonna get hurt that's that's how it is <laughs> you're gonna how, hurt. <laughs> how are you training for the wipeouts at nazare did you do anything yeah stuff but yeah, look, I don't know if you know a fellow called Sean Mulner. He was a big wave dave, you know, back in, you know, well, he still is, but sort of back in the day in Sydney here. He's, he does breathwork courses here. And for the last six months, you know, I, I just really put my head down, bum up, and just, and, and trained for Nazare. Because, you know, we go out, out here and you, you might get at Long Reef in Sydney and you might get, you know, 30 foot face waves, 35 foot face waves, bigger sometimes. But, that hasn't got that power that behind Nazare, like it's a serious wave over there. And I knew, I knew, you know, I had to get my breath work under control. And you know, I, went to, I went to the first still private session with him as well. You know, it's the one on one session. He goes, All right, hold your breath. And you know, I held my breath for 50 seconds. You know, it was the middle of winter. <laughs> I was shocking. It was the middle of winter and I'm down at the, the public ocean pool and I remember looking at Sean and he would have been going, Jesus Christ, I've got my work cut out for me. <laughs> but uh, look, you know, I, I end up doing doing this three days a week and you know, I've got my breath hold up to four minutes and three seconds. So over six months, you know, I was happy with four minutes. I mean, the the, the connection between like the static pool breath hold and, and wave belting hold down, I mean, they are very different. However, the benefits of doing those, those training courses is that your body knows – uh, what to expect, you know, when you you need to get comfortable with your CO2 levels, you know what I mean? You need to get, you need to get used to those convulsions coming on, you know. If you didn't do those training, if you just, if you, if you're going, oh, my God, I'm drowning and doing the big pterodactyl swims, you know, the big wide arms trying to get to the surface, 
So if, you, if your body's familiar with, okay, I, I know what this feels like now. That's okay. You know, I could hold my breath. But it's a psychological thing as well, 100%. You know, and I went out there, you know, you know, not not saying it was uh, it was easy by all means, but I went out there with confidence from all that training. You know, I was pretty happy with, you know, I was I was pretty ready. I felt. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever have any uh, bad hold downs while you were there? <clears throat> yeah, I did. I, I probably probably dodged quite a few just just by how the wave broke over me and you know scooted out the back. But the one I don't know if you, you you've seen that one on. On my Instagram, it was, it was yeah, our second last. Over. Yeah, I'm watching our, it right now. Yeah, <laughs> it was our second last day, and you know, it, the, the, it was horrible conditions. You know, wind and swell and cross chop, and you know, I had two days left, and you know, I just felt that I hadn't got that money shot, or you know, I still don't think I did. But and that wave came through. That was the fourth wave of that session, and yeah, I just. I just wanted to get to the bottom of the wave, and, I, and I, I hate shoulder hopping. I hate that. I just wanted to get right down there, that's the belly of the beast sort of thing, down the middle of it. So I even faded a bit on that wave just to sort of get right in the middle of it, and my, my board touched. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I came up, and my, and my board touched again, and before you know it, I was doing like a cartwheel on my head. And luckily, I sort of got pushed out through the back of the wave. But, oh, beauty. It's great. Swim out the back of this. I went, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sucked back into that vortex, and it, and that 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 was that was super violent. Probably, you know, and people sort of think you get you, you have to hold your breath for minutes underwater. You, you don't. I mean, you do if you get held under for a consecutive, you know, you know, wave count. But you know, I was up over, pushed way deep, and then spat out the back, all in the space of about eight seconds. But that whole time that I was underwater, I'm like. That next one's going to be right behind this. That's 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 you know you got to sort of forward think and and I did and the video sort of just cuts out a bit there, but I popped up and there was like a fifty foot wave that broke probably fifteen maybe that no, would have been fifteen meters away, maybe a little bit more, and I can still remember the sound of it just oh just broke right in front of me and went here we go this is what we trained for <laughs> and yeah. It's going off, you know, Sean Walmart's advice, and he said, "Look, don't try and dive to the dive under it. You're not going to fifty foot wave. You, you're just going to, you know, waste your energy just trying to get under it. You're not going to get under it. Just put your face in the water so does it knock your head off when it hits it, or if best still, even turn your back to it. Just, just put your face in the water, and and sure enough, I just did that, and mate, it was like a bus with a mattress strapped to the front of it, just bang, hit me so hard, and I guess you tucked up." into that sort of fetal position for the first sort of few seconds and then go into full static mode. So that's when the training kicks in, Eric, which is great. You know, it was, I probably felt even more relaxed sort of, you know, floating along in, in the whitewash to, to some degree. And then, again, after about 12 seconds, I was still under on that second wave and thought, next one's going to be there. You know, it's going to be very close when I pop up and, you know, could have even, even been close to 15 seconds before I came up and I, and I pulled my vest on that second wave just because I knew there was going to be another one after it and another one after it. I didn't know how close I was going to be, you know, in between each wave. And sure enough, as soon as I came up, I did two hook breaths and bang, next one hit me. And then came up after the third one, same thing again. It was like right there on my face and bang, the fourth one hit me. And by that time, I was about, you know, 100 metres from shore and Rafa, Tapia, my, the tow driver, he couldn't, he couldn't get to me, which was, which was fine. 
and on that the fifth or sixth wave that I popped up, I sucked in a you know my first sort of clean mouthful of air was froth. <laughs> nice, no, nice touch. <laughs> so yeah, mouthful of mouthful of froth on the way up. So I was like coughing, spluttering, getting rid of that. And Ruff was like, oh, "Sorry, mate, I couldn't get you." I said, "That's no, all cool." I just popping up this froth, mate, and you know, drop. Yeah, yeah. You guys are good. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm knackered, but I'm good. And, you know, went into the shore and walked up the beach, had a spew on the beach because of, you know, sucking a fair bit of froth. But, oh, you know, the, the overall experience of getting flogged, I was, you know, it sounds weird, but I was sort of, you know, it was almost like a proud moment getting getting a belting at Nazare. It was, I felt like I felt like I'd foiled it, you know. You know, the week, the week prior, I just, you know, it was terrible conditions to get the waves I was after. But, you know, second last day, I felt like, okay, I've ridden a substantial wave here at Nazareth. Tick, done it. And then, you know, I've got a flog in there too. Proud of that one as well. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine what that's like. I mean, I feel like controlling heart rate would be such a big, such a, so, so important in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, and that's again comes back to your training as well. So like in between in between waves, you know, rougher had picked me up, and, and you really got to be on your game, pick getting picked up over there as well. You know, the, every wave I was get, I was quickly give a quick look over the back of that wave to see what's next. You know, is there another fall behind it that's going to nail me? You know, should I do one more turn, or you know, if I fall off here, I'm putting us both in in danger here. You know, because yeah, you know, like I said, there's serious consequences. But in, in between. In between waves, I was just yeah, getting that heart rate down, get your breathing down, you know, nasal breathing, and and you know there was times where there was a set coming straight up, and Ruff was like, "You on?" I went, "Nah, let's just go out, just give me give me a minute, just get my breath back, get my heart rate back down, just as cool our jets a bit because you know it is sketchy out here, and you know I want to be a hundred percent, feeling hundred percent when I actually get on that wave, you know, not out of breath when I'm just get on the wave. You don't you don't want that." <laughs> Do you have yeah, any you're mental, right, what you think? Do you have any like mental processes that you do as you're approaching these waves to start to calm down? Any visualization or any like breath work that you're doing uh, as you're about to take off on a wave? Nah, it's funny you say that. Like, I'm, yeah. Oh, I, I, I hadn't. And then prior to, prior to actually going out there one day, the cameraman that was with me, he goes, get yourself a mantra. And I went, oh, he goes, get yourself a mantra. What are you going about? He goes, get a saying in your head. And I went, Okay, and I ended up saying, you know, each time I'd grab the rope and I'd get up, I'd say, this is what you're trained, this is what I'd be saying to myself, this is what you're trained for, this is why you're here, this is what you wanted. And I'd say that every time I'd grab the rope. And, uh, yeah, somehow it seemed to work. It was just, it just recalibrates you, re-centers you, and, you know, this is it. This is what we wanted. You know, this is why we're here. You know, this is what we trained for. Yeah, and I also had... And my fiance's voice in my head going, get it, every time I'd be, <laughs> you know, she's, you know, she was eighth in the world for, uh, you know, uh, she was a kayaker, you know, she's very competitive, you know, and she was my spotter on the beach, you know, she was, you know, walking talkie hooked up with my water safety and a jet ski driver, and, but I just had her also in my head going, get it, so, you know, I made sure I got everything that came through. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. How incredible is yeah, it to cool. have a partner that's that supportive of yeah. you doing some grand level? Yeah, very lucky. Very lucky. She's very supportive. She's 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 fantastic. She's yeah, like I said, she was eighth in the world for you know just missed out in the Olympics. So look, she's she's super competitive and you know, she's just very happy to see, you know, you know, what I'm up to and, and where I'm heading and yeah, she's my my number one supporter. Um, yeah, I'm stoked. Very lucky. Love that. How, how do you think about managing the risk and you know, the 
the real the real danger that this can be how do you come to peace with all that <sighs> yeah look that's trying to look, without that sounds silly I, I feel quite comfortable out there i mean we were the only ones out one day i was we didn't even have a water safety out there it was just me and rougher and you know, a thousand people on the headland looking back at you. I mean, that in itself was awesome. <laughs> yeah, but just being at peace, I just I, I felt pretty comfortable out there. You know, even caught inside. You know, I could see sets coming. I felt I felt okay. And whether I'm at peace, you know, if something is to happen. Yeah, I guess I am. I'm just I'm okay with it. You know, I haven't. I wasn't scared. I'm not. You know, I've been put in sort of bad situations, and I just felt. You know. I felt, you know, okay with it all. Yeah, I think you got to, you got to, you got to, you definitely got to sort of, you know, push it to sort of justify yourself and go into those sort of places and you know the cost of it all and all that sort of stuff too. So you know, yeah, I'm not, it doesn't sort of really answer your question, but yeah, I'm okay with it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt, I felt I mean, that long I've hurt myself before. You know, I've, I've slammed really hard on them. On my mast, and yeah, you know, broke the sort of bridge of my nose, and got some stitches in there. I could hear my my ears were pinging. You know, when you you almost knock yourself out, and my tow partner Mike Klein picked me up, and the, and the jet ski. He goes, "We're gonna go in, bro." And I went, "Why?" He goes, "You're bleeding." And I went, "I'm not gonna bleed out. Play on. Let's keep going. You know, <laughs> we're good." He goes, "No, no, no. We're going in." I said, ah, really? Is it that bad? Come on. It's just you know. I'm not gonna... Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you practice falling? I have a friend who is pushing it in in bigger surf, and he comes yep. from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, like a martial arts background. And in those disciplines, sure. you practice break falls. You you practice you know how to sure. fall so you don't get hurt. And so he's tried to apply that in foiling. Um, is that something yeah. that you do? I tr try trying to avoid the falls when when can. I mean, because they're so quick. I mean. You know, you know, all of a sudden you, you, you're on a wave and all of a sudden you're not on a wave. I mean, that, you know, that sort of time between good times to, holy shit, I'm, you know, I'm face planting or I've whiplashed. You know, worse is coming off backwards and your head touching, you know, the back of your head touching, your, you know, your bum, you know, doing the full scorpion. I mean, it happens so quick. I mean, it's like water skiing and barefoot, you know. You don't have sort of a lot of time to, to react, but I think, Doing the pickups and all that sort of stuff on the jet ski, that's that's what we, you know, I used to do a, a, a bit of training with that, you know, because you don't have a lot of time. Just make sure they're smooth and make sure that you, you're both safe, you know, and you've got that $25,000 ski out of the way too. That's, that's always plays on your mind. I mean, we'll, we'll wash up, but the, the jet skis, you know, you got to save them. Yeah, yeah, so we do practice pickups. Yeah, it's we're lucky where we are at Long Reef. It comes into like a bay. You know, so you get four waves, something like that. You'll you'll get washed into this, you know, the nice soft area. You know, it's yeah, it's pretty crazy pickup. You know, nothing can, you know, you, you might cop a couple on the head, but it's all good. And as a ray, you, you get flogged and you just get gets worse. <laughs> you know, you come off and you end up, you can either get sucked back out into that vortex and just keep circulating, you know, back out to that reef again, and then smash through the beaches. And yeah, I don't know if that answers that question, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's that's just it's just wild to, to think about that. You know, in our conversations about breakfall training, I mean, my argument has yeah. always been as well that it just when it goes wrong for me, I've spent so much time yes. on oil in the conditions that I'm comfortable with that it's sure. usually I'm on the edge 
and it happens so fast. There's almost yeah, nothing. exactly. I mean, I've gotten pretty good at just pushing my board away. You know, as soon as I feel no connection on the foil, my my goal is yeah. to extend the front foot as far as possible, and hopefully the board goes one yeah. way, you go the other. Do, well, you, do, you, do you strap? Do you wear straps or? Just... I don't strap. No, I think okay. that has a whole other level to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I wear straps whether it's two foot or whatever foot. I just I just love that feeling of being able to pull up on the board. You know, sort of think mountain biking. You know, you can you get power from pulling the board up as well as as well as pushing. But yeah, it, it is a it, it 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 can get you it can get you stuck on there. But you know, there's not many times I've been sucked around with my board still stuck to my feet. You can kick out, you can get away from them reasonably quick. I mean, the most injuries I've had on my feet is right at the very end of a ride. You know, when you're pulled off the back of the wave and the jet skis coming towards you, and you're going to those you know real minimal speeds, and the board will sort of fold on you like a tucker. That's when you roll your ankles. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, mate. When, when when things go south, they go south quick, and and that's what was happening too when I was away in in, in Nazareth. The, the I think it was my fifth day. I was flying down this wave. I was going so fast, and all of a sudden my board just went cut out from me. I was convinced I'd snapped the wing, like or I'd snapped the mast. Like it was so violent, so quick, and I know I didn't breach. I know my tail didn't breach. And as soon as I come off, like I, I came off that hard that I skipped down the face this wave like probably four times and it activated my vest that it pulled itself. So that's how fast I was going. I went, what was that? I flipped my board up to have a look and everything was fine. My wings were fine, both rear tail and nothing was crooked. Everything was good. I went, that was so random. I must have hit something. And then it happened again sort of about four waves later. And I went, okay, something's wrong. And then it happened again another two times. It happened four times this you know, flying down a wave, doing you know, 65 k's an hour, and all of a sudden it just drops out. And it's a very similar thing to what you'll see. I can't pronounce his last his surname. Matt, I call him Matt Extreme, French Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He when he was at uh, Bal Balhara recently, you know, it was about a month ago, and you'll see the same thing happens to him. He's just he's in a good spot. The wave, his mast is in a good spot. You know, when the water column all of a sudden it'll just drop out from under him, and it's like it collapses and. I was sort of a bit stumped as to what, what's going on, and I ended up speaking to John Messenger. I gave him a call when I was over in Nazareth. I said, mate, this is what's happening. What's going on? My gear's fine. And he goes, I'll be sanding your gear back. And I went, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you've got to sand all your gear back down with 600 grit, you know, if, if, if you've got access to that sort of stuff over there. I said, yeah, I brought some 600 grit over. And he said, yeah, you need to sand all your gear back down. 600 grit at 45 degrees. That's your front wings, your rear wings, your masts. And, you know, sent me these detailed videos of, you know, how he does it and what it should look like after it finished. And, mate, take my hat off to him. Didn't happen again. So, you know, getting that 600 grit sandpaper, wet and dry sandpaper on, on my foil gear was, you know, paramount to getting to the bottom of those waves moving forward. So, you thank you, John. <laughs> Beg your pardon? Where were you at before? What grit were you at before? I hadn't been using anything at all. I'd just been using stock standard, you know, straight out of the bag. And So you and, were going smoother or you were going rougher at that point? Uh, I just seemed to be, you know, I, just, I guess I probably wasn't going those speeds back here in Sydney. And over there, I was just going that much faster again. And I just needed to wet and dry my foil gear to be able to stop those dropouts that were coming from nowhere. So I couldn't work out what was going on. So, so once, I, once I sanded it back, I didn't have any more from that day forward. So, but were you sanding it? Was it was the was the finish more rough, more polished after? Sorry, sanding? I'm not, sorry, apologies. By the looks of it, just you know, 
visually looking at it, it looks it looked rougher. But looks rougher. so once you once you sand it back, you know, it hasn't got that that gloss to it. But once you know, I'd sand the wing back and then I'd put it under the faucet, you know, the tap, and, and the water would be evenly displaced over the whole thing. There'd be no separation at all on there at all, you know, until a point where uh, John used to say, ah, oh, you know, people would touch his wings and stuff back here in Sydney. He's like, ah, oh, you leave, your, leave the oil off your thumb on, on the wing, and, and it does. And I grabbed a, grab a wing with my, with, you know, and pushed my thumb down on it just to see, you know, if, it, if that is the case. And, and sure as shit, right, there was, there was like a, a thumb mark on my on my wing when I was putting pouring the water all over it and it was separating right where my thumb was. So, if you are serious about you know getting to those speeds, you really need to maintain your wings, put them in their bags, wipe them all down, sand them all back, and then put them on your board. Don't touch them. It's it's pretty crazy, but worked a treat. Thank uh, you, John Messenger. <laughs> yeah. That's something uh, we've been playing around with a whole lot is different finishes on on wings. And- okay. And feels yeah, interesting and, you know for efficiency definitely in slower speed ranges than what you're doing but there's there's we found some really cool things with different efficiencies and feels you know different yeah. low ends, different different top ends different ranges of efficiency just by changing the finish so yeah well okay all about what you're optimizing for you're probably creating some sort of cavitation that yeah you know, okay it's just yeah that's that's so cool what do you what do you find that was best I, it just depends on what you're going for you know, okay. really high polish seems to be slipperier, but then you lose yes. low end. You know, more okay. of a, more of a finish creating like a boundary layer, like increases low end. And my my the where I'm thinking about this right now is I wonder if that boundary layer is a little bit less efficient, but then holds attaches the flow more at those really high speeds. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I, cu- I couldn't for the life of me work out what was going on. It was just you know first yeah it was that quick. Uh, I put ah snap snap the wing or. Yeah, something's happened. Uh, but then for it to happen three times after, I was like, yeah, okay, we're getting to a speed. You know, like Adrian said too, there's a lot going on in that water underneath that you're not seeing. And he said it's like foiling in coke. You know, there's no list in coke. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> nice one, Adrian. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. How has it been coming back after that experience? Was there a come down period for you? Oh, mate, yesterday was horrific. It has, and I've come straight back into flat Sydney waves and look I'm not I wasn't happy with the trip as a whole I'm happy as it I'm stoked that I went you know that was you know it was a dream come true coming that going over there and and I'm definitely going back there to get one of those glassy 60 80 foot days and I really want to I really want to foil I want to surf the wave not just get to the bottom and get off to the side i really want to go top the bottom turns that's the goal and i think the gear is there you know and, and coming back here it's just it's made me want want it even more definitely and then seeing matt get that wave at jaws last week i mean that was on my radar for this season yeah matt matt yeah it's mental matt and tom are charging and i, I love that i'm happy to get over there this season with, with Raphael and yeah get amongst get amongst what they did it looked fun someone so, so, so put the Summed it up pretty well. It looked like Matt's wave was like those Hollywood movies, you know, with a superimposed surfer on it. It looked <laughs> fake. It looked yeah. it was so cool. <laughs> he was flying, mate. He was going so fast. And uh, yeah, Rafa and I were talking about the other night, and it's just that, Matt, he was just, he was hanging on for dear life. <laughs> I mean, bless Tom, mate. He got lit up too. But, uh, you yeah, know, both charging. Take my hat off the both of them. It was really cool to see. And I love being part of that. I get a real, yeah, real kick out of it. It's, yeah, moving forward, I, I want to chase those waves. You know, some in you know Western Australia and you know, Cowboy and 
yeah, I get a real buzz out of it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, Cal Bomby gets big. I had Justin Holland on a while back after his accident. Oh, yeah. Him and okay. Jimmy and I, knew, I used to know Justin pretty well during the whole sup thing, and he, he was talking about Yeah, okay. It sounds gnarly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's another place that's, you know, it's it's really wind-affected there as well. And you know, I tried to get over there before I went to Nazareth, again, just to try and dial in those prototypes from Axis that, you know, Kylie made for me. But the opportunity didn't come up, and it was always honking 20 knots and, you know. But that, that's on my radar to do. I mean, there's, there's plenty of places I'd, I'd like to foil far out. Just, yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a couple times that it doesn't correlate testing gear behind a ski at speed versus on a wave at speed. No, nah, it doesn't. Why not? What is what is the difference? What are you feeling differently? And um, have you figured out a yeah, way to cool. map and and kind of like correlate the two together so that you can get value out of the high speed flat water training? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how. You can, I mean, the only thing you can. I don't know. Look. Like I said, I've got the with the 79 Ks an hour, and that was on the 560 wing, you know. And they're the sort of speeds, I guess, I guess you probably could get up to, you know, in extreme conditions. But, you know, when I was getting towed behind the boat at that speed, the last thing you think you're going to be able to even do is turn. I mean, you're just hanging on. You know, to throw a turn in there at that speed, it's, yeah, it's super sketchy. But, yeah, like I said, between so like, after 40 Ks an hour, it just – Everything changes. It just things get a bit more. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for? A bit lost for words here, but everything just sort of gets exaggerated. You know, you know, it's get, you get more yawing, you get more, you know, that real seesaw effect. Everything after a certain certain speed, you know, you need to sand your gear down. So, how to? I think the only way to really test big foil gear is in big waves. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's what it comes down to. I mean, you can ride the wake and stuff, you know, you can try and feel how it turns, hanging on the back of the ski or hanging on the back of a boat, but nothing beats nothing beats catching waves. And I think the difference between waves, and there's a lot of differences, obviously, between, you know, behind a boat and, and, and on a wave, it's all the variables going down the face of a wave. You know, I, I haven't seen any footage really of anyone catching a, a really glassy big wave. I mean, it's, it's few and far between seeing those. It's always... You know, a crossshore wind or honking offshore. It's it's they're not mint conditions, and you know, which makes it really hard to to see how a foil performs because you're really just micromanaging getting to the bottom of that wave. You know, I do it with my back knee a lot. I'll, I'll drop that back down and and sort of shift that weight forward just to just to ride the clock, <laughs> so to speak, to, to get to the bottom. You know, but. You know, to get on a smooth wave, like a glassy wave with, you know, no imperfections on the face of the wave, that's when we'll start to be able to dial some gear in. You know, until then, we're just hanging on, I think. Yeah. And and so you don't yeah. wing, you don't do anything besides tow, right? No. I tried I try winging, wing-dinging once. <laughs> it's hard. It's I used to kite surf. I used to want kite surf. Yeah, it is. I used to kite, kite surf years ago for, for, for a long time and, but, ah, can't be that hard, and you know, took it out of the lake, and you know, the board I was on may have been a bit small. Like I'm making excuses for myself, but I did look five walks of shame past all the picnickers. <laughs> I nearly shoved the wing in the bin, mate. I was done with it. This is stupid. But I look, I got, I got quite bad shoulders. I've had a few operations. Well, I had an operation on my on my left shoulder. I got six screws in there. My other shoulders gone as well. And and, and wrangling a wing is probably not the best thing. For them, but I found it really quite challenging. I mean, it wasn't a lot of wind, 
in my defence, <laughs> and pr- and look in proning. I tried that once, and it was a long time ago. But look, I'm so accessible to the ramp. It's literally three three minutes from my house, and I've got a jet ski. Come pick me up. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> I can go. I can go get 50, 50 waves, five hundred meters long, and. Yeah, you know, call it a day. Yeah, I see the benefits for sure in, in proning. You know, just go out for a quick paddle and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I definitely will. But yeah, I just I just love towing. It's that's the best. That's great. Yeah. Well you're on a mission too. And there's nothing more fun than being on a mission. Yeah, yeah. And I get, I get yeah, I get a real kick out of you know, even if it's three foot, two foot, you know, to whatever feet, it's it's great. But the benefit you know, the beauty of, you know, only having having one discipline, you know, which is which is which is a toe falling. I get it's a, it narrows my gear down to oh mate, I went to when I went to Nazareth, thirty four kilos over an excess baggage. <laughs> in saying that <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yes. And uh, you know, the old days, you'd be able to shove your wetsuits, wrap your wetsuits around your board and, you know, shove it all in, in your oversized baggage and, you know, have a day, stick that in the cage and they don't weigh it. It's like, yeah, nah, I wear everything back to you, right down to your backpack. And I went, are you kidding me? It's like 33,400 Aussie dollars in excess baggage to go over. What? And I went, oh my God. <laughs> and and the photographer that came over, he was fifteen. Huh? It cost him fifteen hundred as well. He was fifteen kilos. But I was hassling people on the line, saying, "Hey, mate, you're going to Lisbon? Any chance you could take my bag?" And I'm like, "Get out of here, <laughs> dodgy man!" I said, "No, no, that's cool. It's just a board in there." Like, "Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, we're not taking that." But anyway, I ended up getting it down to fifteen kilos over. So it cost me fifteen hundred bucks in excess baggage. So look, I'm glad I don't prone because I would have would have been probably fifty kilos over and all the other stuff. So look, I took three boards over, four masts. I took three kilos and screws over. <laughs> oh, no, right. I thought, oh, what if I can't get that screw? What if I can't get that screw? And I'm over there and I need all my own keys and my talk bits and I just chucked it all in my box and it was three kilos and screws. So that was 300 bucks and screws that I took over. <laughs> I'm sure airport security loved that oh, when they scanned it. Like, what? Oh, yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, then loaded my pockets up with the uh, drone batteries and anyway, that was quite that was quite funny. But, yeah, back back, back to this one thing. Yeah, just towing, mate. Yeah, just yeah. tow flowing. I, the reason I asked yeah. about wigging is because I feel like some of the guys who are pushing in big waves are are doing a lot of their testing on the wing for speed. Okay. Yep. Self-generate. You know, I, th- I think that any time that you're getting pulled, it's a little bit different. You know, so when you're behind, yeah. your, you're getting pulled. It gives you an extra point of stability, you know. It does. It does. Yeah. And sort of up, up a bit as well, you know. They're getting pulled, I guess, up and across. Yeah. If that, if that makes sense. Sorry, did mean to interrupt you then? No, 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 no. I'm just thinking about it from a from like your perspective, like how you can train because it's such a unique one. I mean, you obviously want to be able to train for big surf, but how? Do yeah, you- I look, <clears throat> yeah. When I do go out, I mean, I, I, I take a pen out with me or a pencil, and I stick it in a wetsuit, and I always go out with an Allen or a talk bit, shove it down my sleeve of my of my wetsuit as well, and just make all those adjustments out there. You know, on most sessions that I go out, I mark base plate where it is and take notes of you know what i'm what i'm writing and it's taken it's taken man it's taken like six years to get get the gear comfortable you know where, where i'm where i'm at with the gear to be you know to say okay this is a good setup for this swell but you know surfing the back of long reef bombies to you know nazare or, or even heavier waves you know like you know tahiti or, or, or slab waves it's it's different again you really just need to you know, get out there, trial it. That didn't work. 
<laughs> and swap and swap it over out there. That's the only thing you can do is just take gear out there, leave it in the bonnet of your jet ski, and, and just just trial it. That's that's it. I think shimming is. I mean, PB got me onto shimming my gear. You know, the old days you try you try some you fall gear, and you're like, ah, I hate it. Or I'd stick, you know, trying to stick washes under the base plate. Ah, oh, too much nose down, or, or too much lift, or whatever. And I must be the board of getting me board. I get more foil gear. And then he said, try shim. And I put a shim in the rear tail, mate. Game changer. It was the oh. mate made such a difference. I mean, <clears throat> even before I get the proper shims that I put in there, I put like you know, cut the back of the the, the alley off the back of the Panadol packets, you know, and just jam that into that that front part of the rear wing, and it makes such a difference. It just levels your board out, and you know you don't have to concentrate about you know breaching. You don't have to you know shift all your weight over the front of the board on every wave. You can you know you just concentrate on your turns rather than hanging on for dear life. <laughs> yeah it's amazing what you can do with setup and dialing um yeah you yeah. know so many different ways it's like almost infinite the feels that you can create yeah and, and i'm lucky in, i'm lucky that i do ride with straps because my feet are in the same spot pretty much you know you can shift them inside the straps i guess you know 10 mil i guess but I, I shift a lot of my weight with my back leg, you know, by just by putting my knee down. You'll see on some of the waves, my actual knee is actually touching the touching the the board, so I can I can lean forward and do those micro managements. And I guess if you didn't have straps, you you'd just be shifting your feet, you know, to compensate that. So I guess it's just one less thing to think about having straps on my board. But yeah, it can come with a price. You can get your feet caught in there and. Yeah, you know, something like rolled ankles will take you out for a couple of months. So <laughs> I've been I've been pretty lucky with that touch wood. <laughs> um, Either that or I've got strong ankles now, I don't know. <laughs> what was the the feel like in Nazare with the surfers? I mean, it sounds like a lot of your sessions were pretty solo out there, but Yeah, we had oil. Yeah. The, mate, the first the first session we went out <clears throat> it was just excuse me, it was on the second day. I was there, and we just went for a quick wrap just off the left-hand side. You know, I was so close to that rock. I could have high-fived that rock off the back there. That's how close we were. But we're foiling off the right-hand, the left-hand side, looking out. And then the second time we went out, we had glassed off a fair bit, and there was 25, minimum 25 jet skis out there. And they were great, very welcoming. They were awesome out there. They had that Lucas Finch out there, the, the skimboarder. He was out there. Man, that guy's a freak, you know, skimboarding 30-foot waves in Nazareth. It was pretty cool to watch. There's some of the skis that are out, or some of the riders that are out there. You see, you're supposed to have a minimum of one jet ski, support jet ski per rider. So, you know, we had Rafa and myself, and I had Kyle Richardson, another team rider for Axis. He was on that backup ski. But some of the big names, you know, like the world champion, Bing's wife, Ridden, Sebastian, whatever his name is, you know, some of those guys have three or four skis as a support screw, as a support crew. So it's pretty hectic out there. But there is definitely a hierarchy out there. Yeah, you got to earn your stripes. Not me, but the driver. The drivers, you know, you know, if they're if they're a known driver out there, they there's definitely a, a hierarchy. You know, I was lucky to be with Rafa. He'd be one of the top top riders in the you know, you know, probably one of the top guys in the world for for, for towing. You know, he's towed 80, 90 foot waves. So you know, I follow his lead. <laughs> How'd you link up with him? Through Axis, Axis uh, through Adrian. Adrian said, said, look, I want to go to Nazareth. This is quite a while back, a couple of years back. And he said, oh, I'll connect you with this guy called Rafa. I'm like, yeah, cool. And I was back and forth on Instagram. And, and then I sort of pulled the pin and made it happen. And he was great. He lives there. So, uh, yeah, local knowledge. It's great. And there's another guy called Kyle 
Richardson. He's a he's a paraplegic. Does water safety. This guy's a freak. He's a, such a cool cat. He's he had an ear infection when he was in his twenties. He's forty odd now and got into the base of his spine. He's now paralyzed from the waist down. Oh. So he, yeah, yeah, he's a legend. Though. He's he was so hospitable, mate. He, he he'd be out there, and you know we're at like 40, 60 foot days, and he does the water safety as well. So he straps himself into his jet ski, like you know, waist with a seatbelt on, like buckles himself in, and then straps his feet in so he doesn't come off. And mate, he's a beast. He must have all <laughs> yeah, dude, 100%. He's had like a six-minute breath hold. He's, he's such a legend. And he uh, he, owns, he owns the world record for disabled, we call them goat boats, you know, like a surf ski. Yeah, the paddle, the surf skis, we call them goat boats here in Oz. Yeah, he's going like a 30, 40-foot wave, paralysed, you know, from the waist down. Gets towed up down the bottom too, gets rolled. And, you know, then he practices his, he, he practices his uh, you know, white water rolls, you know, you know, as a, as a, as a warm-up pre-drills, you know, during the week. And then sort of that correlates with when him getting rolled by a 40-foot wave on his strap to his, strap to his goat boat, you know. It's, it's yeah, it's amazing, dude. All right. Yeah, so he does water safety. Yeah, inspiration. Absolutely. Down here at work, never complains, mate. Just, you know, head down, bum up, let's do this. You know, okay, my legs don't work. So what? Let's, let's push on. Yeah, it's very cool, cool cat. Yeah. I think you came in with a bunch of notes. Is there anything that you want to touch on that we haven't yet? Um, what have we touched on, mate? I think that's about it. I mean, my whole, my whole goal, I guess, for Nazaree and the speed runs is you know I was I was in I was in a bad way not in a bad way I guess I was I was a recovering addict you know long story short and the times you know can be bit bit dark here but you know I had little, little suicidal times and blah 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 but you know I've been clean two hundred and fifty coming up two hundred and fifty days now and this trip to Nazareth was all part of that and been filming a documentary you know I wanted to do two records one was be the fastest toad foiler which I think I am at the moment. I'm going to reset that again after Christmas at this stage. Uh, and then the second record that I wanted to get was the biggest wave ever foiled. And, you know, I don't want to even want to stop there. I want to sort of, you know, ideally even get the biggest wave. So that was my goal. And, you know, I've ticked those goals and that all goes towards this documentary I'm doing. It's all part of mental health and I'm going to go speak at some schools and stuff to, yeah, you seven kids and, you know, don't do drugs, all that sort of stuff. You know, <laughs> life's okay without, um, yeah, and just sort of uh, be a spokesperson for, yeah, mental health. And I've got some sponsorships to go over there. Uh, Head Above Water is one of them. You know, they donated $5,000 towards this documentary. Sterling Roofing was another one. And Charter Hall is another company that also donated to this. You know, now I've got to go into, you know, their meetings and, and speak to and speak to their staff and, um yeah, just tell a little about my journey and, you know, have I overcome, you know, what I've gone through and, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And, did, yeah. Did you set these goals before or after the 250 days? In- well, it's all, yeah, I, it's sort of all about the same time. I mean, I've always wanted to do all of these things, of course, but, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, propose to my, my now fiancé, and I made a mindset, yeah, like hell you are, mate. You need to you need to clean your act up, mate. Get off the gear and you know get clean. And so that was my biggest incentive, you know, for for Rachel was to you know firstly do my ninety days clean and then and then move forward from that. And I, I needed these goals to, to 
I don't know, sort of masked some, some, some underlying issues, I guess, but it was just how I've been able to deal with it. But keep my training up, keep my swimming up. I mean, I swim a kilometre and a half every day. and I do my breath work three days a week. You know, keep my mind busy and, you know, so I don't fall back into that, you know, I need to make a phone call and, you know, go get off chops for, you know, for, for weeks on end. So, yeah, having these goals in place, you know, the speed run, it's been really cool targets for me. Just keep you super focused and, you know, and like you said, going back to that point that you said, you know, how's the come down sort of thing coming back from Nazare? And it's funny you say that. It, it has been. It's, it's been such a build-up, you know, for me to to get to Nazare and then ticked all the boxes. I've done everything I've set myself out, you know, I've set, you know, set out to achieve and then coming back to sort of almost like, you know, it's like two days after Christmas, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. that build up and then and then there's that, you know, where there's an up, there's a down, my dad used to always say. So I think for me is to keep keep these goals going, you know, until I'm, you know, will I, will I, will I, will I ever be content with myself and my own thoughts? I don't know, but it seems to be getting a bit easier each day. But, you know. I've got now. I've got jaws lined up. That's for this coming season. So you know, that's another goal I can look forward to, train for, and you got to. Uh, for me to, to to overcome this, I need to have these these targets. These, you know, yeah, these things to look forward to. Keep my mind active. <laughs> you know, I had a, a really rough period when my wife got sick. We had to move back from Costa Rica, and you know, I was yeah. in a spot where I was basically surfing my idea of paradise pretty much every day. And then to come back and be stuck in, you know, a suburb in Jacksonville, Florida was, was really difficult. And at the same yeah, time, but... I was diving into flow states and understanding, you know, through self inquiry, I guess, yeah. you know, like, like what, what, what has been driving me ever since I was, you know, 12 years old or whatever, when I, I guess probably 10, when I got my first go-kart and then, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. all my life. And, and, you know, I, I, I have always lobbied for, and I think it, you know, like basically like a flow recovery center. That's why I asked that question about like, what was the come down? Like, just because I find that, you know, folks like me sounds like someone like you and probably 95% of people listening to this podcast. And I actually think it's one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast and I've continued to do it for so long is that, you know, living in a now, again, ton of suburban place, you feel like an outsider because you're chasing sure. something that no one else, you know, seems to understand in any, in any way. Yeah, that's right. And so like, you know, just once a week to talk to someone who's on the same level in a way, generally, we all have our own stuff, but like, you know, who's yeah, chasing sure. something living outside the norm kind of makes you feel like, yeah, yeah. There's other there's other guys out there like that. Yeah, that's it. That's you know, it, hundred percent. And you know, I think that like I think there's a lot of people who are in these lifestyles that don't realize how important they are to I, I don't know if it's mental states or neurochemistry or whatever it is, and I'm, I don't know the 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 science yep. behind it, but who don't realize it, and then when it gets taken away, it's a very difficult place to be. And so I've always thought athletes, musicians, people living this life of tapped in flow and excitement should have a yeah. place when that ends abruptly to be able to go in and understand what's going on and learn tools to deal with it. And I always called it the flow recovery center. So if anyone out yeah, there is listening and wants to be a part of setting something like that up at some point, I'd be all yeah. in. Yeah. Look, you're hundred percent on what you're just saying there. And I've, and I've had a few people 
come back when I when I came back. They you know they check in. You know this is only last week. They say you good, and I yeah yeah I'm good. And they're like, no, but you, you know are you good? You know you, you know people, you know like Tom Carroll and you know they're all recovering guys. You know you know some other close friends as well. They they checked in and you know this this is when you're gonna this is when you're gonna you know lapse. You know this is when you're gonna fall back into your your old ways. When things are good, things are great. You know when things are boring or when things you know there's like now there's no swirl there's you know and drugs are the biggest time filler in the world they're a great time filler you know but you know you just you just gotta can't think that way (laughs) you can't uh how do these mental states in what you're chasing in big surf hit you like what what is that giving you how how big of a part of this journey are those are those mental states or chemical states that you're hitting in doing that yeah it's it is it's it's a, it's a drug in itself i guess it's a, you get, i get a real kick out so it's like a high in itself you know you you love one big session you, you're buzzing you're buzzing for days it's, it's unreal you know and especially the, the guys i'm going out with you know mike klein is you know he's he's my, you know, my go-to tow partner here and you know even towing them in on a ski and they them getting the wave i'm just as stoked for him getting the wave as i'm getting the wave and and just that energy of you know the lead up to those swirls you know I'd, I'd be tracking the swirls for two weeks and you know nine times out of ten they wouldn't come to fruition but you know it's exciting chasing that you know that swell chart you know I get a real kick out of it I guess that's a drug in itself like I was saying and then when it all comes together it's even better again the other day is just awesome but those come downs after and it is a come down it's you know then you're flicking through your photos and you're, you're posting so you're sort of reliving it again you know a few days after but then it tapers again and then i'm back onto the weather maps and i'm trying to chase another swell so it, yeah it's very, it's very much a junkie sport <laughs> 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 now that now i've turned myself yeah, <laughs> i've never really spelt it out to myself like that but yeah i mean it is a drug you know, chasing big ways is it's a drug. I guess like any sport, you know, you get a real you get a real kick out of it, and you know, and and surrounding myself with people that get the same buzz, and I found that a lot in Nazareth too. Like everyone that's over there, is, you know, they all want that trophy wave, but they're all cool. You know, they're all cool cats. You know, they're you know they're happy for other people to get their wave. No one's like ah, someone's got the wave, and you know, you know, bug him. And everyone's everyone that I felt you know, it was happy for everyone over there getting cool waves, you know, just feeding off each other's energy. And that's what it's all about for me. You know, even if you get towed up up there, that's cool too. But, you know, <laughs> it's something to talk about back at the cafe. You, you got smoked. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's fun. And, you know, everyone gets a kick out of it and <laughs> everyone wants to see blood, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's, that's awesome. Maybe in a way it's beautiful that you didn't get the perfect conditions round one because, you know, the mystery's not gone yet. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, true. Good point. Yeah, keep the dream alive for sure. I, I definitely got a real bug bug for it. Yeah, hungry for it now. I mean, I'm not getting any younger, but that's all cool. That's never been a, an issue for me either. I mean, I feel feel fit. So keep me fit. Yeah. Healthy body, healthy mind. More so these last 250 days, mind you. But yeah, I've, I've definitely, uh, I'm not done. That's for sure. You know, like I said, three days after a left, it was like 60 foot glassy Nazareth. I was like, are you kidding me, <laughs> mate? Are we for real right now? I mean, some of the guys that I met over there, you know, they're there for two months, three months. So they can you know, they could afford to not go out the days that I went out. Um, you know, because the, the second last day I went out, there was two jet skis out, and we got out there on our ski, and I said, oh, what's it like out here? And they're like, just 
they didn't want to be a part of it. They said, look, it's sketchy as out here at the moment. Like, okay, all right, I've only got two days. It's my cue. Throw me the rope. We're on. You know, and those guys can those guys can afford to you know sort of pull back a bit on those on those days, you know, and then just really, you know, pick, pick and choose. So you know they can't afford to get injured, you know. But yeah, you're feeding off everyone's energy over there. It was great. It was unreal. I loved it. But yeah, there's certain there's certain places like that. We were just out in Hood River, and I just feel like the collective energy was so incredible. Yeah, I feel like that's probably similar in your genre of, of foiling or surfing that is probably very similar, maybe exponential. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, 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 even when it's, you know, three foot out, out at our local break, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll probably have, you know, at times four or five jet skis out there teams and we all know each other and you know, everyone's cheering each other in on every single way. If they fall off at the cack, it was laughing, you know, and you know, if they make it, it's awesome too. It's yeah, like I said, it's just that that buzz the whole time. So, you know, I'm lucky to be able to get out there as as often as I do and, and get that and feed my habits. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> when does your documentary? Yeah, it's pretty now? cool. Look, like I said, I'm not wasn't happy with the way the documentaries come together. I mean, Jamie Gray has been doing all the document, doing all the filming for it. The lead up to Nazareth, everything's great. We'll be putting some of that footage into the race sector of it but you know i wanted i wanted this documentary to be not obviously about mental health and and all the other stuff that went with it but i want the foiling in it to be mint i want it to be i want it to be not just you know a few waves here and now i want it to be you know be able to you know show what i can do and that's to surf properly surf big waves and i don't feel i got that in, mm-hmm. in Nazareth. well i definitely i didn't get that so look, I'm happy with the waves that I did get, with the conditions that I got, with the time period or I was there. I was only there for nine, really nine days. So once I get those big waves, um, I can just drop those into the documentary and we're, and we're good to go. So realistically, you know, probably mid next year, I'm guessing, maybe a bit earlier. I guess the Hawaiian season will probably finish around, I don't know when that finishes, March, something like that. So look, if we get those waves before then, we'll just drop those in and, and the documentary will be good to go. And, you know, I want to reset that speed run get the Guinness guys out there and you know I think we can get closer to 90, 90 kilometers an hour with some gear change <laughs> yeah I mean I, the goal would be 100 but like I said every every run of those is to failure so <laughs> you get pretty flogged <laughs> <laughs> oh mate you should see the slow motion reels They're hilarious <laughs> I didn't know my head could touch my bum <laughs> <laughs> So there's that to add to it as well and just, yeah, that's just been, yeah, my journey and you know, my recovery time. So, yeah, it's coming along well. But, yeah, probably early to mid next year. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, and it, it'd be called Waves of Life is the is the, is the name of it. So, yeah. Waves well, of hopefully life. you'll come back on after the, the documentary releases and we can chat about it. Yeah, man, I've really enjoyed today. It's been great. I know we, we – we missed each other early in the year, but back and, to and yesterday, I owe you on. an apology. I'll do it publicly. We were supposed to record yesterday and somehow, because I think it's, you know, you're in Australia, I'm here and it's Thursday for you. It's Wednesday for me. Yep. I was anchors. It's Thursday. I thought it was going to be on today and yeah. uh, oh, good. weather was gorgeous. My son came home. He's like, you want to go fishing? I'm like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized well, it five minutes before, <laughs> before we were supposed yeah. to so publicly i apologize and thanks no, for that'd be silly no, no, that's all good no no that's fine mate 
I'd, I'd, I'd go. I'd go fishing too. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's turning fifteen this weekend, and I feel like oh wow, my daughter's turning seventeen this month. Okay, like, like okay. Three more years of them at the house, man. It's like I'm thinking about it all the time now. So anytime they want to do something, yeah. like, let's go. Absolutely, I got an eleven year old son and a and a sixteen year old daughter, and yeah, you got to you got to cherish those times. Yeah, absolutely, you can grab them because they're not going to be there long. Yep. Yeah. Well, I want to leave folks with this has been excellent, man. It's been great getting to getting to know you and to uh, awesome, share man. your story. I mean, it's a true inspiration. And anyone uh, who's cool. not following you right now needs to hop on Instagram and your hazmat on Instagram. Yep, nineteen seventy six. No oh. hiding my age. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I've, I've I've really enjoyed today, mate. I yeah, thanks for your time, and yeah, great to great to finally get on, mate. Yeah, absolutely. What do you want to leave folks with? I don't know. I think I've pretty much said it all, mate. I mean, yeah, look, I don't know, mate. I think we've, we've pretty much covered it. Look, look, yeah, keep an eye on what I'm up to, I guess. Hopefully get over to Hawaii in, in the coming months. We're going to be on standby, I guess, for any big swell that comes over there. And I guess that's the beauty of Hawaii too. You know, it's it's 10 hours for us. It's not 26 hours like Portugal. And that's a far out of mission there. Uh, some. But yeah, Hawaii's sort of a bit more manageable, 10 hours and we're, and we're over there. So look, if a swell comes, we will be there. A bit of a strike mission. And likewise, you know, WA and those sort of places, Western Australia here, it's a bit out of season. But if there's a swell that pops up anywhere, I'm, you know, I feel that I'm in a pretty good position. And, and with Axis, they're, they're so supportive. It's been fantastic. You know, we, we can go and attack these places, you know, as a team. And yeah, really push this foil gear, see what it can do. You know, see how big we can go and under a controlled manner. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, thank you, Matt. This has been amazing. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Appreciate your time. Cheers. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.